how well do I know God? And I hope after this eight weeks finishing this that you will come to the realization that you may have known many of the things that I'm talking to you about, but personally, you feel like there's even more about him that you need to know so that it can strengthen and reinforce his love, his commitment, his dedication to you. The enemy is not so much after always trying to trip us up to get us just to sin, all right? You think of sin as far as activities that you do that are bad things. The actual description of sin is where we miss the mark, okay? And everybody thinks the devil's just trying to get you to sin, all right? But what he's actually trying to do is to deteriorate and erode your faith. Sin, we've been set free from sin because of Jesus on the cross, all right? As far as having to sin, believe it or not. Some of you say, well, I'm just going to sin until, until Jesus comes back, and I'm, I'm going to constantly have these, these shortcomings and these shortfalls. Okay, well, we're not perfect, but we're perfect in him. But the fact of the matter is, is that you've been set free from the curse of sin. All right? And there is even less sin that ought to be happening in our lives as a result of the power of Jesus living with us. For greater is he that's within us than he that's in the world. So the enemy is after your faith. And the moment you quit believing and understanding the principles and the characteristics of God, all of a sudden we start to doubt and we start to ponder and we start to wonder about, about his, these characteristics and these attributes. And, and if he can get you to that place, all right, to where you begin to doubt the, the very character of God, then it's hard to believe in the things that God wants to do for you, the things that are important, especially what we're going to talk about today about his love. Say he loves us. All right? There's some people would try to tell you or based upon experience that they have in this world that if he loves us like the rest of the world can love things, then guess what? It's, it's not all that great because people fall out of love. You hear what I'm saying? That sometimes we equate the very characteristics of God with our experiences and we, we downgrade. We, we play down the very things that the Lord wants to do in our lives. And so I, I want you to know that this, I, I, I want you to get your mind your heart. I want everything around this so that you can recall and understand these things. And the theme verse, go ahead if you would please, is this, and let's read it together. But I do more than think, I ask. Ask the God of our master, Jesus Christ, the God of glory, to make you intelligent and discerning in knowing him personally, all right? Not just about him, not to where you could just tell somebody some details, okay? Uh, you're not just an encyclopedia, but you know him personally. Don't you love it when someone... Um, when you're having a conversation with somebody and something gets a little distorted about what maybe someone said or thought or have done and, and, and they're sharing this story with you and then all of a sudden it, it, it kind of starts to venture down a path that is, that's different than what you could ever at, expect that person would act or say or do, okay? And, and, and you're just like, well, well, how can you know that someone's sharing this? Because I know that person personally and there must be some explanation. There must be something that is not yet known or perceived different about that person. That's what it is to know someone personally, all right? Because the enemy is trying to distract us. He's trying to poke holes in your faith about the character of God. But would you know him personally, 
When you know him because you've experienced him and he's experiencing you, you can be able to say, that's one thing I know in whom I trust and believe in, and I am persuaded that he will keep me until that day, right? Now, it might have to go against what you're actually seeing right in front of you with some situations. But when you get to know God personally, that's not a scary place to be. Instead, it becomes an exciting place to be. It comes to be a place to where you're just like, oh, my goodness, I don't know why this is happening in my life. I don't know why I'm going through this hard time. But one thing I know, because I know him personally, is that he loves me. I know that he's everywhere. I know, uh, I don't want to get into that right now. <laughs> Your eyes should be focused and clear. Let's read it. So that you can see exactly what is he is calling you to do. Grasp the immensity of this glorious way of life he has for Christians. And oh, the utter extravagance of his work in us who trust him. Endless energy, boundless strength. So we said this. We said God knows everything, right, about us. That's the first thing we said. Go ahead, if you would, please. Next one, we said this. He says that his power is my power. That's, it, it, it's not reserved, all right, for some. It's, it's for everybody, all right? Then we said this. We said he is here, there, and everywhere. You can't go anywhere without God being there, all right? Not in it. He's not in inanimate objects, all right? He's, the, the cross is just the cross, all right? Everyone understands that, right? It's just a symbol. God's not in the cross. He's not in a picture of Jesus, all right? He instead, all right, those things help us to realize and, and to kind of bring a focal point. But it's not, he's not in those things. But he is everywhere helping us to understand more things about him, all right? Next is this. He is he is the same and will not change. He's immutable, right? Go ahead, next. His grace takes me to great places. Where would we be without the grace of God then? His control makes me whole. And finally, this last week was trust is a must, all right? You cannot come to God without trusting him. And so this week we're talking about this. His love fits better than a glove. <laughs> his love fits better than a glove. Now, how many guys have had some gloves before? And you had some gloves that didn't fit too well? And then you had some gloves. I, I, I like a golf glove, all right, or even driving gloves. You, you can buy them. But I've got small hands, all right. Is that surprising to anybody? No, my feet are size 8, by the way. <laughs> so I, I, I got small hands. But, but, you know, there's gloves that don't automatically fit me when they, you know, you, you say the size and I sometimes even the smalls, but, but it's, it's thick, so it's, I can't wear the, the real small one, so I got to wear it. But I love a form-fitting glove. But his, his love is form-fitting to our lives. He's form-fitting. And that's, that's a picture that I had in mind as I was preparing uh, this message. You know, I, I've met people who I've talked to out in the, in the marketplace, in a public square, and, and I, throughout the course of a conversation, sometimes we get into the part to where I'm a pastor. And I'll talk with some individuals, and, and, um, and someone will, will start to talk and say that they're, they're atheists. Well, I don't believe in God. Have anyone having conversations with atheists before? And so rather than arguing with them about the reasons they should believe in God, I said, well, tell me what you understand about God. 
What is it, I mean, if you don't believe in him, what, what is it that you come to understand about God? And they went ahead in a number of occasions and have listed off a number of different things that was, they thought was their identity of God and the things that God is somehow responsible for. And I can go ahead without any hesitation whatsoever and say to them, well, if that's the God that you serve or the one that you know about, I could see why you would not want to believe in him either. Hello? Because they have this picture that's not the picture that I'm giving you today. They have this picture that, 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 has, that has made God a derangement, has, has rearranged the whole idea and the character of God. But today, I know whom I believed in, right? Let's take a look at 1 John 4.16. It says, for we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. God is love. Now, some people think that they're more complete when they say, and love is God. Because you just kind of get it both ways. But I want to tell you something. You can't have it both ways with this because that can make it less, all right? Now, you could have a girl that is a dog, but you can't have a dog that's a girl. Hello? All right, I know. Think about this. If, if you just switch things around, God is love, love is God. It doesn't mean the same thing, just like I have a dog that is a girl, but I can't have a girl that is a dog. You see, the very character of God, God is love, and love is not God, because you start with the orientation, you start with the foundation of God. It's important, because if you start with love is God, then anything you've ever perceived, anything you've ever experienced about love becomes God. And guess what? That is deranged, right? That is, that is out of whack, right? That, that, that's just crazy, all right? So we can't confuse it. We need to understand that God wants what is best for us. He's for us and not against us. And, 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 and many people, they, 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 they hear about God, they hear about God's plans that he has for their lives, and some of them run like crazy. But you know why they run? They run because of fear. Fear. What do you fear? Why do people fear God? I had seen this um, acronym for fear a long time ago, and I like acronyms. It helps me remember things. But false evidence appearing real, F-E-A-R. Think about that. That's what promotes and one of the most consistent uh, characteristics of fear, when false evidence appears real. Now, the, the reasons that people avoid God's love, I said, is because of fear. They have a fear of some things. We're going to talk about this before we actually get into the points, and that is this. They have a fear of having to give up fun. Now, you wouldn't think that that would keep somebody away, all right? But that's what people think. If you think that God is not fun, if you think that God doesn't want you to have fun, then when it comes to experiencing God's love, you don't want anything to do with it because guess what? You want to experience fun. Anybody like fun in here? Raise your hand if you like fun. All right, some of you are telling the truth and not raising your hand. I know that, all right, but that's all right. Fun is a good thing. You see, some people think that it, to be a Christian means to be miserable. It means that you, you just have to give it all up. I mean, it, it, it's... It's interesting. I mean, the world, right? We could turn on the TV, we can look on the, the, the internet, and, and, and we could see, and they, they paint this around this, this whole picture that, you know what? You live life once, go for it with gusto. Right? Can I tell you that God has given you the same message? 
And he said that the thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy, but God has, Jesus has come that you might have life and life to the full. Listen, that don't sound like unfun to me. It sounds like fun. He wants me to experience all kinds of fun. The media has told us this lie and said that if you buy this product, you will be happy. You will have fun. And, and so we go out and we buy the product. We go out and drink the beverages. We go out and eat the food. We go out and buy the homes. We go out and buy the cars and the clothes. And we spend money. But we find out real quick that that fun wears off. That fun doesn't last when we just buy the next thing. There's a, a beer commercial out there with two guys who are sitting there by a lake and they're drinking beer. And one person, one guy looks at the other and says, it doesn't get any better than this. I want you to think about that for a moment. It doesn't get any better than two guys sitting by a lake drinking a beer. I, I, I'm not talking about how you, the, the, the wrongness or rightness of alcohol. I'm just talking about that moment. If you were really thinking about the pinnacle, the best in life, it really is about a moment when you can be with your bud sitting at a lake, sipping any kind of beverage. Well, maybe they don't really mean that like it says. But sometimes people do live for those moments. Those moments when it's, it, it was a pleasant moment. And, and, and you're just thinking, wow, I can't remember when I've had a, a more fun time. People are frantically looking for fun fixes. They want to go and be part of something, right? They go around and asking themselves sometimes, are we having fun yet? Waiting for it to kick in. Waiting for that emotional stirring up to kind of take place, right? But it doesn't, it doesn't happen all the time. And so they're just like, hmm. I, I got to say something. I'm going to meddle a little bit here, you know. There are some things that we have in the church world, in the church community, that your flesh doesn't understand about how much fun it can have until it gets there. There's some things that we have created and put in place for you to enjoy and to be involved in. And, and you know, to pull yourself up off of that couch, to get up out of that lazy boy, to shut down that favorite show, even though you could DVR it, right, most cases, all right? It's hard because you know what? We're measuring the fun based upon our energy level or something else like that. I, I'm suggesting to you, we could be missing out on a number of fun things, all right? I, I, I said I'm going to meddle, all right? I, just, I, I want you to know that right up. But here's fear is giving up fun. I, I think we really need to reassess what fun is. You see, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17 says, God richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Jesus is so much fun. He's so much fun. Matthew eleven nineteen. 19, Jesus came enjoying life. He came enjoying it so much that he was accused of being a drunkard. Hello? There's some of you walk around and you're having so much fun, someone's thinking that you've got to be on something. Now, that's not everybody because some of you walking around, they can't tell what you're on, all right? It's just like, yeah. 
I mean, what, you need to be on something, all right? You've got to tell your face. You've got, you got to be, no, be on Jesus, all right? Let's get on Jesus. Fun is enjoying what the, what the world that God made for us, all right? But not at the expense of forgetting about God. The other fear that people have is become, of becoming a fanatic. Anybody know any fanatics out there? Now, we've said it this way. we said that, you know what, you need to be more uh, earthly-minded so you can be heavenly good, right? Or, or, or you're so earthly-minded, you're not any heavenly good. You're so heavenly-minded, you're not any earthly good. It goes back and forth. I don't know what is a better one. I mean, I think I, I like to be heavenly-minded, all right? If I like to think, but, but that sounds like the spiritual answer. But I want to be zealous for God, but I don't want to be lacking in knowledge. But do I want to be a fanatic? What comes to mind when you think about a fanatic? How about this? Freddie the Pharisee. Anybody ever hear him before? Rigid, narrow-minded, legalistic. He's got a rule for everything. His favorite word is don't. You ever met anybody like that? Freddie Pharisee. All the things about what you, you can't do. Fanatic. Some people look at Freddie the Pharisee and say, will I become like that if I become a Christian? Someone may fear of becoming like Susie right, self-righteous. Someone who has a holier-than-thou attitude. Somebody who's quick to judge other people. Somebody who's got it all figured out all the time. And, and, and their favorite phrase is, thank God I'm not like you. You think there's a fear of becoming that kind of fanatic? I wonder, if I become like that, will I become judgmental? How about Billy Bible Thumper? He is an obnoxious, overzealous crusader. I mean, it, I mean, it doesn't matter. His, his, favorite, his favorite phrase is, turn or burn. <laughs> He's having all kinds of conversations with people. Or should I say, at people rather than with people. Will I become like him? How about Pauline praise hallelujah? I mean, everything that comes out of Pauline's mouth is about some religious cliche. Everything is a miracle, or everything that is bad, the devil did it, all right? Her favorite phrase is believe, receive, praise the Lord. Now listen, there's nothing wrong with a number of these things that I'm talking about. When they stand alone, it's when your identity is all of this and it isn't anything about relationship as far as you personally knowing him. It, it's, it's where it, it becomes to the point to where you, 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 you've lost able, an ability to connect with people. First John 4.18 says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Some people are afraid of losing their freedom. Hmm. Uh, how many of you are here of Frank Sinatra? Not, not, how many have never heard of Frank Sinatra? I'm just kind of curious about that. Raise your hand. Really? Oh, wow. He spans that many generations. Well, people got concerned about, you know, the music and about all that rock music and all the things that was telling us to do wrong, Right? And, you know, it was really bad when we started listening to music backwards to hear what the devil was saying and all those types of things going on. But Frank Sinatra, God bless his soul, right? <laughs> he had a song, and he said, oh, you know that one. Sandy says something about, and I did it my way, right? 
Now, I, I, I'm not trying to say that the devil made Frank Sinatra do it, but can you think about the, the, the message that is being sent to everybody then when it comes to fun, and it comes to, you know what, if I'm going to become a Christian or if I'm going to become, I, I, I can't do it my way anymore. I lose freedom. And some people are afraid to lose or to give up their freedom. And so they say, I want to do it my way. I'm old enough to do it my way. I've grown up. I'm 15 years old. I ought to be able to do it my way. Right? (laughs) I don't know about you, but I want to be able to grasp. I want to be able to experience Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17, if you would, please. It says this, I pray that you will grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. How wide and long and high and deep. Just how wide and long and high and deep is that love. You ever think about that? How, how, how big is his love for you? We're going we're to get that next few minutes. Go ahead. The, the very first thing I want you to understand is that his love is wide enough to include everybody. Everybody. Psalm 145.17 says the Lord is loving towards all he made. John 3.16, a theme verse for even uh, football stadiums and baseball stadiums is what? For God so loved the world. People want to get the message out about God's love for the world. It's everybody. It's universal. You know, the good news is that God loves us all. The bad news is that he loves even those people that you don't like. Right? Oh, they say it's not bad news. But you know what I'm saying? You're like, okay, God, I I understand how you could love this person, but everybody that you meet this week, I want you to consider and think about it for a moment. God loves them. Someone cut you off. God loves you. (laughs) Someone said something bad about you. God loves you. Someone's, I mean, think about that. God loves, when you start to understand the extent of God's love and that it goes even to the worst of people whom you may be in that category from time to time and and, and you get to that place to say, you know what, if he loves them, then certainly he loves me. My acknowledgement, my trust of him. He loves you very, very much. You matter to God. You need to understand that. You matter to him. The devil would love to convince you that, guess what? His love is not wide enough to include you. Somehow you are uh, uh, an oddball. You are peculiar. Now, I'm giving you some, some things. You, you are, the Bible says you are peculiar. You're set apart, okay? But you're so peculiar that God couldn't love you. You're so way out there. Your thoughts are so different. But God loves you. He cares about you. People find this um, idea of acceptance about including everybody as builds up their self-esteem. It's sad to see how many people don't feel good about themselves because they base it upon what they think others think of them rather than what God thinks of them. I'm here to tell you today that God doesn't make junk. You may not look like everybody else. You may not live in the same house. You may not drive the same car. You may have had different parents. But God loves everybody. 
That's how wide his love is, all right? Wide enough to include everybody. His love is so long. That's our second one here. His love is so long, enough to last forever. In Jeremiah 31.3, he says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Psalm 89.2, God's love will last for all time. You know the problem with human love? It wears out. It wears out. It's, it could be seen in the relationships, not just marital relationships, but just relationships with people. Where we get to the point and we just say, one day we said we love you, and then all of a sudden someone has done something, and we figure that our love is now lessened for that person. I can tell you that that wasn't agape love that you expressed in the first place. Because God's love does not wear out. Oh, it doesn't mean it's not strained. It doesn't mean that God's happy with everything that we do, all the decisions. Because the decisions that we make sometimes are going to come with consequences. But I'm telling you, his love does not wear out. The thing is, is that God loves you as much as he ever could love you. And no matter what you ever do that's wrong, he can't love you any less. Because what? God is what he is. That's his character. And it so gives me a sense of approval and being fulfillment when I realize that no matter what I find myself involved in, no matter how hard I try or even how much I don't try, God loves me. He's okay. He doesn't put a seal of approval, again, upon the wrong things, but his love is there. It lasts forever. It's strained. But guess what? You didn't get the love because you deserved it in the first place. The Bible says that while you were still a sinner, that's when God demonstrated his love for you. When you're an enemy of the cross, that's when God demonstrates love for you. He has an everlasting love. It will not stop. So it's a wide love. It's a long love. And finally, or thirdly, I should say, we've got number four too. His love is high. High enough to be everywhere. High enough to be everywhere. In Romans chapter 8, verse 39, he says, Neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. There's no place you can go that will separate you from the love of God. There's no circumstance or situation that you can find yourself in where God will quit loving you. Think about that right now. Think about your most vilest moment, your most horrendous of situations and decisions that you've done that it was probably the most embarrassing to yourself and or to God that you would want nobody to know about. Think about the thoughts that you have that come through your mind. Think about the revenge and the unforgiveness. Think about the spite that you have. Think about the irritation that you have with those ones that you're supposed to love and realize that even in those situations, God loves you. His love is everywhere. Everywhere. It, 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 it's, it's in the midst of your storms. It's in the valley of the shadow of death. If you're married here today, and, and we're going to be celebrating 32 years of marriage ourselves here, you know, the, the, 
there's a, there's a sad day that will happen for us, one of us, and that is that one of us will go into eternity before the other probably. And it will create great grief and anguish within the person. And some of you have experienced that today. But let me tell you, those of you who know the love of God, you know that you can't get to a place to where you can't experience that love. You don't have to be lonely because God's love is everywhere. And even though that person isn't with you any longer, all right, God's love is there for you. And he wants to embrace you. He wants to comfort you. He wants you to know that you're not alone. His love lasts forever and ever. Last part about the love is deep enough to meet our needs. His love is deep enough to meet our needs. Psalm chapter 40, verse 11. For my only hope, my only hope is your love. My problems are too big for me to solve and they're piled over my head. <laughs> Some people felt this way in a real way. Team, why don't you come on up here, please? We're going to get ready to receive a communion. Your, my problems are piled up over my head. Some of you feel like you're going under for the last time. You feel like you're about to sink. But I got to tell you something. It doesn't matter if you're in deep despair, if you're in deep trouble, you're in deep stress, or you've got problems if you have emotional problems, you have physical problems, you have financial problems, I want to tell you something. You can't get deeper than the love of God. This verse really says, he, the, my only hope is your love, for my problems are too big for me to solve, and they're piled over my head. Well, the only way for that to be solved is for God to come under you. That's how deep it goes. You can't go lower. Your problems, your situations, your trials, and your circumstances cannot take you lower or deeper than the love of God. Corey Ten Boom. Many of you recall and know her story of her sister, whose name was Betsy. And they were Christians, and they lived in the Netherlands, and during the war they hid Jews in their homes to protect them from the Nazis. When they were discovered, they were taken to the concentration camps along with the Jews. They spent their lives during the war in those concentration camps. Eventually, only Corey would come out alive, and her sister was killed. In the movie that they did, though, they, they shared the point where after they'd seen one atrocity after another, Corey says to Betsy, she says this, she says, this place is the pit of hell. Corey says this. To which her sister Betsy answers and says, there is no pit so deep that God's love is not deeper. Deuteronomy chapter 33, verse 27. The eternal God is your refuge and underneath you are his everlasting arms. His love is deep. Greater love has no man than this that he would lay down his life for another. He's gone deep for you. He's gone wide. Think about it for a moment. He and his love is everywhere, right? How important is it for us to come to know God? It's important because regardless of your situation, you need to know that the love of God will take you back.
regardless of the times in which you held out your hand and said, no, I fear I can't have fun. I fear I, I have to give up control. I fear that I'll become a fanatic. You can know that God loves you. And he looks at you and probably sometimes just chuckles. <laughs> he chuckles because he's able to see the, the beginning from the end, the end from the beginning. He sees this journey that you're on. And he says, one day. One day you're going to get it. One day, I, I, you, you, you feel like it's, you're too deep. You feel like you're, you're, you're too far away from me. But I'm telling you, you can't run from my love. And I think we go through some things, and, and, he's, and we're all frantic and such. And, and I'm sure it, it, wears, it wears him out. Maybe not, it can't wear him out. It wears him down. It can't wear him down. You know, think about what it does. Everything is from my human perspective as far as how I would have. But it, it, it creates strain. Just but to the point where he finally gets there and says, <laughs> it's just the valley of the shadow of death. You don't have to worry about that. You don't have to fear evil. I'm going to be with you. Oh, yeah, you, you got in that relationship that you shouldn't have got in. You didn't seek me. <laughs> don't worry. I've got someone better. Your heart is broken right now because something's been taken from your life. Guess what? I've got something else I'm going to fill you up. My love hasn't stopped. It's forever. It goes on and on and on and on. Do you really want that kind of love? Will you receive that kind of love? Or will you continue to equate God's love with your experience from a human perspective? What I'm asking the Holy Spirit to do for each and every one of us here today is to do a miracle. To supernaturally impart to you the depths and the knowledge of God in a personal way so that when the enemy comes to you and he tries to make you think that God isn't the same one that I'm sharing with you today, that you can say, uh-uh, I know him personally. Uh-uh, it may not feel like it, I know. But one thing is for sure, I have experienced God. And it cannot be taken away, this experience, this encounter. And so, for you here today that is strained right now, for you here today who the enemy is just bombarding with all this negative garbage, I want to tell you that God's love is reaching to you right where you're at. He's bringing hope to you right where you're at in your situation. And in your utter despair, God is wanting to just come and wrap his arms around you. Say, I've got you. Reach out to me. Acknowledge me. Let me come in. Bow your heads. Close your eyes. Lord Jesus, we come to you right now. We're thankful that you've given to us an opportunity to be able to gather together as the, the body of Christ. And if we're going to bear that name, we're going to take and own that title, then, Lord, I think it's befitting that we would live up to some of those characteristics that you have imparted to us. God, that we, our love, while it can't ever be exactly like yours, your power is in us and can change us and form us and shape us more into your image and more into your likeness. So, Lord, right now, help us to see past the 
the shortcomings that's in our lives. Help us to see past the disappointments that we have both are experiencing and we've even caused other people to experience. Move, Lord, I pray, so that I can be confident, so that every person here in this place can be confident in whom they serve, in whom they love, and the love that they receive from you. In just a moment, we're going to receive what's called Holy Communion. The Bible says that every person should examine themselves and, 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 and make sure that they truly respect and honor the price that Christ paid on the cross. And if you're a servant of his, if you're someone who has recognized the wrongs that you've done, but you lift up your hands and you've lifted up your heart at some point in time and you said, Lord Jesus, forgive me for I am a sinner. And if you believe that that process has been done, then guess what? The word of God says you're saved. No man could talk you in. No man should be able to talk you out of it. But maybe you're not having that confidence today. Maybe you're here and you're saying, you don't know, Pastor. You just don't know what I've done. You don't know how many chances that he's given me. But today, today you're starting over. If you're here today and you say, I need a fresh start with God. Maybe for the very first time you're accepting Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Maybe you're making a recommitment. It matters not to me. What matters is your current condition. If you were not right today, but you're coming in today and you say, I need a fresh start, would you lift up your hand? Lift up your hand in this place. I see that. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Yes, eleven, twelve, thirteen. 13 individuals, amen, saying they need a fresh start. You are more than a number to God today. He sees you in your situation. He sees you in your trial. And he is sending every resource of heaven to help you right now. Pray with me, church. Would everybody please pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for sending your son for my sins. Paying the price that he did not owe. For my sins. I believe that he is the son of God. And he is the authority to forgive me of my sins. And cleanse me from all unrighteousness. And I stand in that promise. I believe it. And I'm going to live it out. In Jesus' name.